You're tuned into Black Hollywood Live, the world's first digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture. Tune in right now. Welcome, Black Hollywood Live fans. We are back, Fit Club via Zoom. I'm your host, Shaka Smith, joined by my original co-host, Fallon Mercedes. What's going on? Hey, I am so excited to be back, even though it's through Zoom. I wish I was there in person, in studio to be with you, but I'm so excited to be back. Um, Yeah, I'm ready for some Fit Club fun. Yeah, it's a little silver lining of the quarantine, um, you know, that I guess we're all connecting via Zoom or different different ways and it's able to connect us, you know, through communities. Um, yeah. How are you dealing with the quarantine? Um, you know, what's interesting is I'm adapting pretty well. Um, since I moved across country, I live in Atlanta now, I actually work from home. Um, oh. I no longer, you know, I do health coaching um, and nutrition counseling from home. So I'm no longer like going into the gyms unless it's for a workout myself. So my transition is, it's pretty smooth. smooth. (laughs) The only thing I do miss is the gym for my own workouts, but I, you know, I've been working out from home or going for runs. So other than that, it's been pretty smooth. Nice, nice. And last we talked, I know your mom was, you know, in line for a double lung transplant. How did that go? She's doing well now? Oh my goodness. Um, she's doing so good. Thank you for everybody who like shared my post, who donated, who prayed, who messaged me. Um, she got the call January 14th and the lungs were ready. They were beautiful. She didn't have a dry run, which is, um, not usual. Usually you'll get called and they'll say, Oh, the organ, something's wrong with it, but it was perfect. And, um, yeah, I was with her for three months taking care of her. I was her caretaker and um wow it was it was a lot to go through um Mm -hmm. there were a lot of complications but she got transplanted at mass general hospital in boston and the surgeons the nurses like everybody was phenomenal and she's doing really really good but unfortunately now that she's better she can't go out yeah (laughs) and and, and all those people though all those workers that are on the front line it's and i it's great that we're having carol lungford on here today She's the nurse, CEO of Holly Blue, and she'll be able to talk to us about what some of the nurses are facing. And we're gonna give a coronavirus update. And of course, we're gonna talk about America's PPE shortage as well. Um, There's a lot going on, of course, with corona and the medical field. So um, we're gonna tackle that with our uh, CEO of Holly Blue, Carol Lundford. I think she'll be chiming in right now. Hopefully we'll we'll get her in there. We'll get her on. I'm super excited to talk to her too, because um, I saw firsthand what those nurses do. You know, I, I would call overnight at one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, asking the ICU nurses, how is she doing when they kicked me out of the room? And I'm telling you, those men and women work so hard. It's unbelievable. And um, even now, like, aftermath that I think about it she was in like an air pressure my mom was in an air pressure controlled room Mm -hmm. so we had to mask up and put gloves on every time we would go in and out anybody because they wanted to make sure no you know nothing got in there that would yeah make the process hard for her as she was healing with her new lungs and I think about 
all of the masks that we had to throw away each wow. time we would yeah. go in and out of the room and now there's a shortage for Can masks and for certain gloves and even um the n95 masks they're a little bit like uh, more protective mm -hmm. than the regular masks like we threw so many i was every time she would do um certain nebulizers we would have to put them on and it's just really unfortunate because now we're in such a, a shortage and even my sister she um she used to have a shunt uh and she had to get surgery and she told me recently she had called her doctor to do a checkup on her shunt and um the neurologist passed away from the coronavirus the one wow. who's done all her surgeries in the past um, so it's really unfortunate, you know, to see what all these medical care providers have to go through in such tough times. Yeah. <laughs> and I think well, we have our guest on. Yes. Yeah, so welcome, Kara. Thank you. I'm so sorry. Like I was trying to like, uh, Zoom said that I had like some weird audio problem. Hey, it's a new world. We're all learning. We're all figuring this out together. I was, maybe I should like log on from my phone because but I don't know. We, we can, can see. You, I don't know if you want me to. Yeah, it's working. Okay. All right. Well, let me um, plug in with my headphone. Perfect. Perfect. Let me see if it's any better, too. Oh, yeah. That audio is great. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Great. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing as well as can be expected, I guess. It's uh, It's been kind of crazy actually i'm sure you've noticed <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely I mean, but, but you're in it though you know so you know for us it's like crazy but we're not in the medical profession we're not dealing with this um in the same way that you are um how are you holding up personally um well you know to be honest it's really it's it's been tough because you know i'm in the business of supporting nurses i am a nurse i've been a nurse for 13 years and uh, I started seeing burnout a long time ago, long before COVID-19. So that was actually why I created Holly Blue in the first place. And interestingly enough, you know, what's ended up happening is that burnout is, is now becoming more pronounced, right? Yeah. Um, because nurses are going to the front lines and they're working in New York and they're working in Washington and they're working long, long, long shifts and days and days and days and days in a row. And, um, and because we just recently did a survey of nurses, um, just to kind of get our finger on the pulse of what's happening in our community, every day I read comments. I, I've committed myself like, okay, if these people are going to fill out this survey, I'm going to commit myself to like reading all of this stuff. Yeah. And, um, and it's hard. It's hard to read it, to be honest. Yeah. How, so are you able to take care of your own mental health um, in this time period or how do you make time for that or make space for that? You know, it's, it's tough. You have to take like little moments, right? Like today I was like, I'm gonna work out. Like I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna lift some weights. I'm gonna put some music on and I'm gonna lift some weights to some music. Maybe I'm gonna meditate. Maybe I'm gonna do some yoga. Um, I try my best to fit it in whenever mm -hmm. I can. Sometimes I go outside and I like have a conversation with God. <laughs> I talk to God. I say, yeah. what is going on? <laughs> um, you know, uh, those are kind of the things that I, I do. I spend time with my son, play soccer outside. 
you know, with him, because as we all know, they're all home. Our children are yeah. all <laughs> home with us. God bless them. Oh we my gosh. And love yeah, our for children. The whole school year, it looks like, yeah. 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 Becoming um, a homeschool teacher. Well, we know there's a, a lot of pressure on the medical community, but one of the kind of bright spots that was recently released by Eric Garcetti is that now LA, they've expanded testing for people that are showing symptoms. Before it was more restrictive of who could get tests, but now anyone who has symptoms could at least apply online and then go for a drive up test. Uh, how has expanded testing and maybe the rollout of that testing? Um, helped nurses, I know that first um, first responders are actually first in line for that testing if they need it, but how has that right. kind of impacted that front line? Um, I think that it puts their mind at ease a bit when it comes to some of their major concerns, which is exposing their family mm-hmm. and exposing other patients. So, you know, that's some of what we've seen, you know, just even in our survey is, you know, how concerned people are around uh, bringing this home to their families. So I think that hopefully it's going to put their mind at ease a little bit more. Um, I mean, once you have symptoms, the problem is, is that we all know that we could have been carrying it for like two weeks prior to that. So, you know, it's not as helpful as maybe we would like. I know some of the nurses want to be tested, you know, a little bit more frequently because they're actively around it all the time and they know they've been exposed to people or they know they've been working with a COVID-19 patient. And so I think they would appreciate a little bit more like preventative, heads up, like prophylactic (laughs) type of thing. Like, hey, maybe we should be swabbed, you know, at the end of our shift or, you know, Mm -hmm. like... And I know that there's just a limited supply, so they're doing the best that they can. And this is certainly not to criticize. I don't think this is really a time to do a lot of criticizing. We need to be very patient and very understanding in a lot of ways. I mean, I think there are some systems that should be working a bit better than they are, but or a lot better than they are. (laughs) But um but I think that we're, you know, I, I do think that it's it's giving them some solace or will that at least if they are showing some symptom or, you know, that they can at least get tested. Tested, yeah. yeah. My um, mother-in-law, she came down with some symptoms of the coronavirus. So she, her, she did like a virtual call with her doctor first and he said, okay, I need you to go in. So um, she went and they had like a tent outside of the hospital where you get checked if you're having COVID um, symptoms. And they told her she has like a mild version of it, but at the time they didn't have enough testing. Mm. So I think yesterday they were, they called her up and they told her, Hey, we have a test come down. So she got swabbed, but I have a question for you. So are there Mm. different um, forms of the coronavirus? Like, is there like a mild form and then a stronger form or does it depend on the individual and their underlying health issues? So I don't want to speak directly to this because I I don't have enough information on it, but I I heard a while back, they were like, oh, you know, the coronavirus has been around uh, forever, you know, like it's part of the common cold, you know, kind of thing. And, and, um, and I had heard that somewhere, um, that they were alluding to the fact that there was probably a strain Mm -hmm. of the coronavirus that has maybe been present for a while. I, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. So I don't want to speak too, too heavily to that, but, um, but I would say for the most part, like when it comes to like COVID-19, 
you know, we're kind of talking about a very specific strand, you know, strain of this and a, okay. and a, a very specific mutation. And, and you kind of, you either have that or you don't from yeah. what I, from what I understand. And you're going to present with very specific symptoms if you, if you do. Um, the common ones are that like people are saying, look, they have fevers and they have like intense fevers, like to like for nights and nights and nights some of people are saying like seven nine nights in a row wow. like they're having fevers and they're having like really like and they come it comes on at night and it comes on really strong and people are even having like hallucinations as like Chris Cuomo about the talked about yeah yeah they're having kind of these like you know without even taking the medications they're getting mm -hmm. hallucinations I have a friend a client of mine her brother-in-law has it and he said before he got prescribed medication, he was hallucinating. He had the fevers. He had the congestion. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, you know, it, it, we definitely need to take it seriously. I, I, you know, what I hope people take away, you know, from this podcast is, you know, if you're, if you're wondering if there's like, you know, too much um, hype around this or you're questioning whether or not you should really, you know, take these precautions and stay at home, safer at home orders and all of that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is yes. You really do need to take this seriously, mainly because what I'm going to be super honest with you about is that the healthcare system is really kind of fracturing under the pressure of this virus. So what's happening is, is that people, there's just not enough resources in these hospitals, you know, to be able to deal with the influx. So, you know, people could accidentally die, you know, just because they didn't get enough, enough you know, attention. attention or mm -hmm. there's just, you know, and, and nurses are human beings. Like I want to remind people, you know, we're not machines, mm -hmm. you know, we do require sleep and health and, all these things to be able to make those decisions that affect your life. Yeah. You know, those, yeah. you know, it, it's to critically think yeah. we need time and space and, you know, and, and sleep. So it's, don't it's end up in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. You say that. Um, I'm not sure if you saw or even Shaka, there was this video that went viral recently and it was a nurse filming herself and she was quitting her job and she was oh, crying. And I'm she glad was, you brought that up. And she was saying, you know, I have children at home. I have health issues and my boss knows this. And she, you know, intentionally put me on a floor with coronavirus patients. And she was like, I quit. So you're saying, you know, nurses are human, you know, they need, time they burn out they go through things what what is your response to that nurse's well, it's so interesting that you say that because she is an ambassador of holly blue wow i i know and we we didn't actually know that she was going to create that that video it was as a surprise to all of us when it came out and um, she's actually deleting her Instagram account today. I don't know if, it, you know, that's probably very, very new news to everybody. And you guys might be the first ones actually learning about that. But, um, you know, when people put themselves out there and, you know, right now, um, there's, 
stuff trending, you know, oh, she was connected to Holly Blue and, you know, and, and all this stuff. And, and I don't know what people are thinking or saying, but I'm trying not to give it a whole lot of attention because I, I don't like to give attention to haters yeah, and to people who are spending time making judgments about people they don't know. But I will say that this nurse is probably one of the hardest working people I've met. I don't know her well, but she's been an ambassador for us for like a couple of months. And we have about 16 or 17 ambassadors, but she is funny. She's intelligent. She's worked in critical care for a long time. And I am very, very sad to read the stuff that people have been writing to her, to be oh, honest. Oh, I've read the comments and they were horrible. Some of them were saying like, you know, that's like a firefighter. If a, a burning house was in flames and they, you know, put down their hose and say, no, I'm- That's I'm the thing, gonna... they had a hose. Let's <laughs> just be clear. And, and you know they what? They had a hose. <laughs> I, I was very sympathetic when I saw the post originally because, um, I don't know if you caught the beginning of this episode, but I was sharing with Chaka. My mom just recently had a lung transplant, a double lung transplant, and wow. I was her caretaker. And, you know, the, the nurses, how I was burnt out and I wasn't even, you know, her nurse. I was just her caretaker. And that's when she was much better and she got, you know, to go home. So the amount of hard work and hours and the nurses do all the work. The doctors, you know, they prescribe and they, but the nurses really do the work. So my heart went yeah. out to her about that video. Yeah. You know, she was sad. You know, she was very sad. She was very overwhelmed. I'm sure when she posted that video, she was in the middle of feeling a lot, having a lot of feelings. And she probably felt like, you know what, this is an opportunity for me to share how bad this is for people. Mm -hmm. And it's just very unfortunate because I wish that people would spend less time being judgmental and uh, making a, having really negative opinions of someone that they just, they don't know at all. And, you know, if they knew how badly this was hurting someone, maybe they would stop, you know, yeah. stop, stop with the hateful language because, and it's, and some of it's trolls, you know, some, some of it's not even people that, you know, they just made an account just, just to, go to go on out and say and... something mean. Yeah. yeah, just to be mean. And, you know, I talked to our team today and that was a, that was a topic we had. And I said, you know what, we don't respond to people mm -hmm. like that. We have, we're bigger than that. We have a platform where we support nurses and that means we support all, all nurses. And, um, I don't, I don't have anything to say to those people because I have, I have bigger things to do and more important things to do than respond. And I think the net effect is more support for nurses. I think this whole yeah. epidemic has really shown, shown that light. Um, the World Health Organization just came out and they released um, an urgent need for investment in nurses. They released a study that they had done um, looking at the nurses worldwide. There's already a shortage of nurses yeah. and the three parts they looked at was education and also leadership as well, um, and making sure the nurses got to those positions of leadership and the disparity between men and women. Because mm -hmm. they noted that 90% of the profession are women, but the leadership positions, there was a dearth of women in, the, in those positions. How is Holly Blue 
working on that issue? Is that an issue you guys are aware of and um, trying to tackle? So we do a lot around, um, you know, creating mentorship and, and, um, and leadership opportunities and, and stuff like that. But um, I would say that what we're trying to do right now, one of the active things that we're trying to do and in, in our a part of our one, one of our biggest platforms is the do better for nurses initiative. So what we're about is we're about telling, you know, the industry, educating and empowering the industry to, um, to do better. And by doing better, we're saying, Hey, you know, these are the biggest problems. These are the things that are keeping nurses from keeping people from either going into the nurse profession, keeping nurses in the nurse profession and allowing you to recruit nurses to your facility, because these are the things that they're asking for. They're asking for safe patient staffing. They're asking for, um, breaks. I know that sounds shocking, but like they're asking to have, you know, breaks in a way that they're not giving five patients to another nurse that has five patients, which isn't safe because they're yes, not going to leave take and a take break. a break. Right. Yeah. yeah. So they don't take the break because they yeah. actually put the patients before themselves. So, and I think that honestly, if the leadership is there and it's people who have been on the front lines of this, right? And then move up and truly understand and appreciate what's happening, then, you know, then they, they implement the right policies and, and everything. And then that does keep people there, right? Like they have to be relate, they have to relate Absolutely. to what's happening, right? Yeah, and you guys do a lot of job matching as well, right? On Holly Blue? Holly Blue, yeah. yeah. So, because I was a director of nursing, uh, one of the biggest pain points I saw was that we weren't really getting the right nurses to the right patients at the right time. Like there wasn't a good matching. Like if I had a Spanish speaking patient and I needed to really find a Spanish speaking nurse, for example, like I want to have better quality of care, better, better patient care. So you got to get the right nurse. Cause a nurse is a nurse is a nurse. That's not true. Right. Yeah. Like we all have specialties and proficiencies and skill sets. So yeah, we do, we do like some, some matching, some like workforce management, recruiting technology that helps people find the right, the right candidates. Yeah. I always wanted to ask, um, I noticed the nurses, most nurses who work in the hospital, they do 12 hour shifts. And I would imagine that would lead to burnout, doing a 12-hour shift and you're not getting any breaks. Is that something that you've discussed that you're working on? Or is there like a primary reason why they do it in 12-hour shifts and not? There is. There is actually a primary reason. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of people actually ask this. They don't know why we do 12-hour shifts. They're like, that seems excessive. If you ask most nurses, though, most nurses actually prefer to do 12 because oh, really? um, it's, you know, we work three, three days a week and then we have some time to recuperate, you know, and it's actually healthier for us to some extent. Hmm. Some nurses don't. Some nurses prefer an eight or a 10 or something like that. But the reason why we stick to 12 is because every time you transition care, so meaning you take patients, you have this workload of patients, right? And you're working with them for 12 hours. 
you transfer the care to another nurse, right? The nurse comes on. Now it's like a game of telephone, right? The more times you have to communicate that information and the more times you have to pass that information along, the more likely you are to miss something. Mm. So for continuity of care purposes, we try to minimize the number of times that you're passing a patient from one nurse to another because you know, it's very, very easy to just kind of forget, oh, you know, I forgot to tell you that, you know, they got Tylenol four hours ago or something, you know, I mean, that's all going to be documented, but that's just an example, but it's like, it's just really easy to, to lose something in that, in that. So we just try to minimize it because it's, it's down to two transfers a day, as opposed to three transfers a day. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like everything about the industry is putting the patient first and putting yourself second. Yes. <laughs> and, and to be honest, like, you know, nurses signed up for a certain amount of that. We did, yeah. you know, so, so the people who are kind of coming out and, and saying, you know, firefighters, they do this, you know, firefighters wouldn't leave in the middle of a fire. The military wouldn't leave in the middle of a war. Well, the thing is, is that you can't really compare, right? Because nurses signed up for something specific we didn't sign up to fight fires or yeah. we didn't, you know, we signed up to do no harm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's one of the things, do no harm, mm -hmm. right? Do no harm also means making sure that if I'm potentially carrying something that I have the mask to make sure that I'm not carrying something to a patient that doesn't have COVID-19, right? So we feel a sense of insecurity when we're like not really following through with our mission yeah. to do no harm. And you know, going back to the nurse. Who, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, my dad worked in the police, you know, um, industry for, he was a police officer for many, many years. And he said to me, well, you know, gosh, you can't, regarding the nurse that we spoke about earlier, leaving her job. Mm -hmm. Some people see that as patient abandonment. But I said, well, you know, she did bring her own mask. I said, dad, if you, show, if you showed up to a, a, a gunfight, and, and they said, we're so sorry, you don't have a gun. We don't have a gun for you. And you're like, oh, that's okay. I brought my own gun. <laughs> and they're like, no, sorry, you can't use that gun. You just have to show up to the gunfight just without a gun. <laughs> well, anybody yeah. in their right mind would say, screw you. <laughs> I'm leaving. He's out. Yeah. Yeah. He's out. I'm leaving. Right. Yeah, but somehow like this nurse did that and, and had her own mask. And then, you know, they said, sorry, you can't wear it. Yeah. Well, it, that doesn't it, make sense. And that's one of the big problems is that America's PPE shortage. We've been talking about it, the personal protective equipment um, and home health care nurses are actually turning to tattoo parlors um, to get some of this PPE. And so how have you found out or dealt with nurses trying to find alternative PPE? Some people are going with designers and some designers are donating masks or making. What's yeah. been, how have nurses been coping with that element of it? Well, I think first off, it's like if, if your institution or the facility that you work for just supports you bringing in whatever makes you feel safe, I think that that's first and foremost, right? Because that's just a morale thing. You know, some, some of the, some of the facilities are like, yeah, but it's not going to work. Well, who cares yeah. if it makes them feel better and feel more protected, just let them wear it, yeah. you know? So 
you know, I think some nurses are looking into their community. I actually had someone come today who works for a home health agency, drove all the way from Palm Springs to pick up six N95 masks for me so that they could give them to their home health nurses. Um, Which by the way, Jack Black gave to me. So thank you, Jack, for for donating. Yes. Yeah. He and his wife are are friends and he was very sweet. And, and his wife reached out and said, we have these masks and we absolutely want to, uh, to, we don't need them here and we want to donate them to nurses. So thank you, Jack and Tanya for that. Um, And I was able to give them away today. So that was great. But yes, I think that they they are looking all over the place. They just want something to make them feel safe. Yeah, and, and you started Holly Blue because you were on a supportive care committee, right? And from that, you kind of came up with Holly Blue. But I, I'm guessing you didn't realize how critical it would be now. Um, no, how, no, yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> how have you adjusted and how has it kind of, I guess, grown over the years? So... I started my career in pediatric oncology and some people know that about me. I worked at Children's Hospital Los Angeles and um, you know, myself and, and all of my colleagues um, saw a lot of suffering, a lot of death and, and of children. And uh, because I saw all of this and because I was experiencing this, I did like what you mentioned, I started the supportive care committee along with some other nurses that were on our floor. Um, And while we were doing that supportive care committee and we were so successful in it, uh, you know, it was just a floor, you know, the fourth floor, the oncology unit. Um, But we saw that it was really helping people. It was really helping the nurses that were there and they were taking time to come and, and talk about, what they were going through. We had, um, we had lots of retreats. We did um, supportive care retreats for them. And um, I, I realized that I could do this on a, on a much bigger scale that, you know, it, it would benefit so many more people if we could take what we learned from that supportive care committee and, and apply it to the whole community of, of nurses all over the United States. Um, it's hard, right? <laughs> it's hard um, uh, because everybody has different needs. Um, so what we spend our time doing is really trying to figure out what those needs are and putting the resources in front of them. Right now, it's a lot of mental health. Mm-hmm. To be honest, so if you go to our page, we have a lot of mental health resources. We have meditations. We actually have like you know apps for people who like Headspace and stuff like oh. that, Talkspace, um, where they're offering free services to healthcare providers. So we're putting all of that stuff up there on our resources page. Yeah, and so, so Holly Blue is exclusively healthcare um, healthcare um, workers, correct? Yeah, so we're exclusive to nurses. Okay. Um, some people, it's interesting, like, you know, sometimes when I see posts, they're like, well, what about respiratory therapists? And what about doctors? And I'm like, look, I I was like, if you're a doctor, you should create a Holly blue for doctors. I mean, like, (laughs) you you don't have to call it Holly blue, but you can call it something, you know, I'm like, I'm a nurse. So what I know is nursing. 
Mm -hmm. right? I'm not trying to be, you know, the Holly blue for EMTs and the Holly blue for, you know, <laughs> who am I to be, you know, their advocate? I don't know yeah. what they need. It's, it's, yeah. uh, I, I was the caretaker for my mom when she had her lung transplant surgery. And I felt at times that I was even getting burnt out as a caretaker. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was looking on Facebook to try to find a group that I could connect with and talk with. And I had a lot of anxiety um, and just a lot of worry. And I found a lung transplant group and there were a lot of caretakers in the group and some people who were post-transplant and they really like walked me through it. Like even now um, I'm a little concerned because my mom, um, she can't go to the appointments, the doctors. So they're her Bronx. They're pushing back a lot of appointments. The only one that she can do is get her labs drawn. But even that worries me because I'm like, okay, she still has to go to the hospital. She's going to be in a lab. And yep. are those people sick? Are they, she's going to be exposed. Yep. She's immunosuppressant. So um, the group on Facebook, they really like kind of talk me off the ledge when I'm feeling anxious, but yeah, there's something mm -hmm. your community. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something um, similar to what you have, but I guess for caretakers and people who. Yeah, of course. Like, you know, exactly. Exactly. You know, so it's like you guys are specific to transplant. What you're talking about, you know, it, it, it would be like if somebody was like, hey, well, what about us cancer people? It's like, well, we don't know about cancer. <laughs> we don't know about cancer, you know, but like you should start something for them. That sounds like a great idea, you know. So, you know, what I hope people do is they just like see people for who they are and just see, you know, just appreciate. Just like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, please, please, people, just be compassionate and loving. <laughs> I, I think the number one way to do that is always, always through food. And uh, oh. I know that you guys started a pizza party and I wanted to find out a little bit more because I, I think it was started by Hazel, right? You had a patient named Hazel. Well, you do your research. You know a lot about me. <laughs> He's good. Oh, yeah. He's you really know a good. lot. Boy, you do. I was like, how much else do you know about me? <laughs> you know, we work hard here at Fit Club. Uh, but you yeah, did a great uh, job. Yes. Um, uh, are you all able to continue that too during this period of time as well? We are. Um, there has been some restrictions. So there's been some hospitals that are like, sorry, we're not allowing outside food or we're not allowing deliveries. So it's, it's hampered our efforts a little bit, but we're just kind of, we, we just like, we switch gears and we find a place that will allow us to, yeah. and, and, and we just kind of work around it. Um, <clears throat> but yes, that actually came from uh, Hazel. Hazel was actually one of my pediatric oncology patients and she unfortunately passed away a couple of years oh. ago. Um, her mom is Lauren Ham Hammersley and um, they're a lovely, lovely, lovely family and they miss their daughter terribly. But, you know, her story was that when she was about two years old, she and her grandmother and her mom put up a, a sign in the window, purely out of boredom, to be honest, um, with tape, with medical tape that said, send pizza, room 4112. And it was facing the Vaughn's parking lot, because Children's Hospital faces Vaughn's on one side of it. And, you know, some guy saw, the, saw it and posted a picture of the window on Reddit. 
and she got 250 pizzas delivered <laughs> to Children's Hospital in a day. And actually, they had to make like a, a public service announcement. <laughs> like, no please, please stop sending no pizza. pizza. <laughs> we can't take it. Please send it somewhere else. We're, we like run out of people to eat pizza. I think they fed the entire hospital Amazing. Um, with pizza that day. And she became infamously and famously known as the pizza girl. Um, <laughs> And, you know, for the next five years, you know, she actually did go through a period of remission, which was a beautiful time for her and her family. And then unfortunately she relapsed. And after she relapsed, she wasn't with us much longer. Um, but she was a glowing bright star and she, everybody who met her loved her. And there was a part of us that just wanted to kind of continue her memory and we wanted to, it was a great opportunity for us to show nurses that we support them and also by keeping her memory alive. And so that's what we do every Friday. That's amazing. Every Friday, pizza party. Every Friday, pizza party. I have a question regarding um, burnout, but when it comes to death, you said you experienced when you were a nurse, a lot of death, patients dying. I guess what advice do you give to your nurses that are struggling with patients dying and maybe even some advice that would help, you know, the regular public when a loved one dies or they're in a profession where people pass? Absolutely. Um, it's a, it's end of life is a, is a subject that's very near and dear to my heart because I, I do it a lot and I, I do it, I do it even in people's homes and I, you know, I specialized in it um, on my floor. So I, I, I oftentimes would get put with patients and, and children who were dying because it seemed to be my area of expertise, which, you know, I need to have a conversation with God about at some point <laughs> about why that would be specifically the skill I was given. Um, but to be honest, I think that we have to find ways of understanding. We have to understand death, I think, to some degree, right? And for me, I had to come to terms with, with some sort of definition of death that made sense to me. Um, and what makes sense to me and what makes sense to somebody else could be very different. But I think you have to have some belief you know, whatever it is, and this is not a religious conversation, but it's specifically for me, I had to believe that we come into this life for whatever time we signed up for. And we came into this life to do what we were meant to do. And we don't always know why, you know, maybe a child, maybe a spirit comes into a life to be here for three years or four years because they needed to have an impact on their parents' life or they needed to affect somebody's life. And they came here and they did their job and it was time for them to go home. And, it, and it's hard for us because what we see is we see grief and loss and suffering. And believe me, it's not like I ever said to a parent like, well, you know, it was their time. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm not stupid. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say to a parent who just lost their child, 
at, you know, at four years old or at five years old, well, you know, it must've been their time because they're probably going to hit me in the face. <laughs> that's how you have to process it though. But, but for me, yeah. I have to believe that there was some greater purpose and that they, they came here for a reason. They did their job, whatever that was. They changed someone's life. We don't know who's. And that that's all they came here to do. They're like that cameo appearance in a movie. Like there's some people that are in the movie the whole time. And then there's some people that just kind of come and go. You know, they just have a, a purpose. They got to drive the story along. But then they, they're not needed for the whole movie. But we never ask like, well, why weren't they in the whole movie? Yeah. Right? So for me, that resonated. You know, like yeah. that's how I got through it. And that's how, that's what I think about when I'm helping people. And then, but I also have a lot of compassion for the loss that people are experiencing. And so what I would tell my preceptees is I'd say, you don't have to say anything. What you do is you go in and you hold space for people. That is all you have to do. You're present, you reach out, you hand them a, a Kleenex, you put your hand on their shoulder, you hugged them. You don't have to say anything. You just have to be, right? Yeah. And that's what I train people when I'm training people. So I don't know if that's helpful, but that's that's Very how helpful. I do it. Oh yeah, that's and, great. And thank you for that. I think a lot of us are gonna, given the way the thing is going, I think a lot of people are gonna know people who are in grief or suffering from grief themselves. So it definitely helps. We do have a segment towards the end here that we call the Fit Club Five. Um, five <laughs> rapid fire questions that we're gonna ask you and just give us the first thing that comes to your mind. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, here we go. <laughs> Last person you texted. Uh, my director of partnerships. <laughs> uh, your dream dinner guest. Oh. Michelle Obama. <laughs> Love <Nice>. her. <laughs> uh, the last meal you ate. Uh, pizza. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Your favorite junk food. My favorite junk food? Yeah. Oh my God. Fries with like cheese and all kinds of stuff on Ooh, it. Ooh, that might be after this. <laughs> and uh, if you were on death row, what would be your last meal? French fries with cheese and all that stuff all over it. <laughs> well, that was the Fit Club Five. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I, before we go, though, I do want to ask you, as, as the non-medical public, the people who aren't on the front lines, what can we do to support your community? Um, I, the best thing you can do is, A, right now, just stay at home. You know, just do the safer at home orders. That's the best thing you can do. And like the people who are like clapping at the, you know, the healthcare heroes and, and saying thank you for your service. That is, that goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. Those videos always like made me tear up. I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, yeah. But yeah, we thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you, Fallon, for coming back on. 
Oh, oh thank gosh. you for having me. I had so much fun. And thanks, Kara, for answering our questions. Um, I think yeah. what you do every day is amazing. Um, I have so many friends, family in the nursing industry. So I'm definitely, if they haven't heard about you, I'm going to share this and let them know. Oh, thank you so much. And I hope that your, your mom, you know, does, does well. And, and, uh, and, you know, I know how hard it is to be a caregiver. Thank you. And Fallon, where can they find you online? If you want to find me online, you can go to at fit underscore with underscore Fallon, fit with Fallon, um, social media, other social media, Fallon Mercedes Brock. And Kara, where can they find you online? Where can they find Holly Blue? Um, they can find us at, at Holly Blue, H-O-L-L-I-B-L-U, um, on Instagram and, and on Facebook. And then also hollybluenurses.com is where we have all of our resources and, and everything for the nurse community. And as always, guys, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Shaka Strong. We'll see you guys next week. Bye, Bye guys. Thank you. On behalf of our BHL staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Black Hollywood Live, the world's first digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture. Check out our Black Hollywood Live YouTube page for even more great programming and amazing content. And be sure to subscribe and like our channel when you do. I'm your BHL host, Nakia Monet, and you can find me on all social media at Kiki Boom Boom or at Black Hollywood Live. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood Redefined.